nights when the moon is high. The shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is deadly. So now is the time to let the horror you know again. It was a dark and stormy night. The moon was high. And so was Ian. Damn right. <laughs> we bleed the water beads. The wolf bane was in full bloom. My left testicle was itchy. <laughs> Arise, my love. Two tales of woe. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Trent. Ian, Ian Turoff. Oh, is that my kid? Uh, uh, I'm Ian. <laughs> and this is the Horror You Know podcast. We're back, baby. I'm back. It's been a couple weeks again. <laughs> Third week in a row. Welcome back again. Welcome back. We am, get it, Darren. You're I back. I am back again. Oh, my God. <laughs> what just happened? What happened? That thing fell. The the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> yeah, just sorry, about, yeah, sorry guys. I was just outside enjoying the <laughs> thunderstorms. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was an interesting opening. That's, that's scary. I'm a little scared. I had a nickel. I had a nickel for every time I said that. My, uh... <laughs> you'd have, it just, you'd it have just two nickels to rub together. That's right. <laughs> Did you say nickels or nipples? Both. Oh, well, that's fair. What do you think of think about that, Wells? Rubbing nipples together? Yeah. Love it. Rub my nipples. He, he Love so it. so excited. Rub <laughs> nipples together? He leaned Rub them. You can tweak them. We done that this week? Wells loves a little. Come in Tokyo. <laughs> That's all right. You got, you got two nose dolls in there. <laughs> Get it. I caught the reference. Yeah. Uh, this week is retro week for me. I'm bringing back some uh, Original monsters. Oh, I thought you were bringing sexy back. I brought I brought sexy back a long time ago. He does that sure. every time he shows up. Look at. It. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have been looking at my nipples all night long. Mm-hmm. It's the hair that does it for me. I guess I didn't need the sound effects earlier. We're gonna hear them outside. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that means it's like, hey, turn your heater off because we don't want any outside elements coming into play. <laughs> yeah, the heater, the heater masked the cars outside. Yeah. The cars never want to run over the steel like, grate when it's, I was gonna when say, it's time wait, correctly. Wait for that steel grate out there. It's like Hill Jack's dying to get in the parking lot first at Taco Bell so I could sit on the bed of their truck. Right. Dumbasses. Anyway, sorry if you're one of those. They do do that. Hey, we do have some listeners in West Virginia. Trans family. Trans family. Mountain true. Mama. Somewhere. So this week we're going way, way back. How far back? 1931. So a few. Uh, that's the movie we're starting. We're going to talk about a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about a remake of it, and then a bunch of other movies. Uh, but I want to go back with the classic story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Ah, yes, written in 1837. Did you guys read that book? Yes, but was it written no. in 1837? I think it was. Oh my God, I pulled that out of my ass. It was, uh... And she was 19 No, 1818. Damn it. You were so close. So About 18 close. years off. That's close. That's, that's Early 1800s. Throw me a bone here. Throw me a freaking bone. What no, does a 19-year-old go through in her 19 years of life to make her write something like this? What? 
I said, what does a 19-year-old go through in her 19 years of life to make her write <sighs> well, I'm going like to tell this? you where she got some of her ideas from because I actually know. Nice. But yes, I read this book in high school, and mm-hmm. I actually am a big fan of this book, and I started reading it again recently. Oh. I said reading. It's actually an audio book. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm it's liar. I, I lied. Denzel Washington reading Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's all good. Oh, so you're can telling you, me. Can you still count it as reading? <laughs> I guarantee it. Like, I've been listening to a lot of books lately. Doesn't have the same, like... Hey, man. I mean, somebody's reading it, right? This, this, this is the way. You're reading a movie, so... This is sure. the way. It was even the way back in the day, don't y'all remember getting those books from the library with the tapes in it? Yep. Oh, yeah. And the record. I, I'm older. Records. Right. Records in the back of ours. Eight, eight tracks? Oh, nice. We didn't, no. No eight <laughs> tracks. All right. So I'm going to start, start us off with a quote. In eight, 1818, Mary Shelley changed the landscape of horror and science fiction forever with her influential novel, Frankenstein, or known then as the modern Prometheus. Frankenstein. Oh. Frankenstein. It's actually pronounced Frankenstein. So you guys know what a Promethe- the Prometheus is? Because if you don't, I'm going to tell you. Any guesses? Class not, participation. In not in relation to this story. It's actually pronounced Igor. <laughs> when you say Prometheus to me, I start thinking Mass Effect. You're probably not familiar with it. No. So Promethe- Prometheus is a demigod, which is half man, half god. Uh, who stole fire from Mount Olympus. So he thought of himself as being on godlike status, even though he was only half. Okay, so the it's almost like the flight of Icarus type story where you the get too close to the sun fire, and you yeah. catch on fire. So it's the same kind of thing. You know, he thought he was so important that he could steal uh, the fire from Mount Olympus and use it for himself. Kind of uh, the story goes with that is, you know, man should not play God. All right? Absolutely. So there you go. So Frankenstein tells the tale of a scientist who creates a grotesque creature. We've all heard this story. Takes some dead body parts. I thought he was going to say, we've all been there before. We've all been right? there. <laughs> you know, my penis got lopped off by an ex-wife. And oh. She threw it. Wait, was her last name Bobbit? Bobbit. Bobbit. <laughs> yeah, she threw it in a field. Frankenstein's penis. Find it. Little did I know it was. Wait, a, what did you just say? Twix Frankenstein's penis. He had to get it from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Frankenstein. That's only if you're proper. So you know this this has been retold a bunch of times. So we're going to tell other stories about that along with that story. But it's arguably the most recycled mythology horror fantasy story out there. All right. So, Mary Shelley's famous book was possibly influenced by two things. First was the discovery that it is sometimes possible to resuscitate people who appeared to have died by drowning. Now, here's the story behind that. The second was the emerging field of electrophysiology, which investigated the effects of electricity on animal tissue. So, in 1795, about two years before Mary Shelley was born, her mother, who was a philosopher... I don't know if that's like one of those, like, are we all right? Trying to to bump something. You can always bump something. <laughs> okay. Start out that part over. In 1795, about two years before Mary Shelley was born, her mother, the philosopher Mary Wollstonecraft. Now, I don't know if that's as worthless as Trent's 
college degree oh. that he got, but oh, as worthless. <laughs> I thought that was the end of the sentence. I was really. Yeah, I thought he was just. Gonna that say, was a horrible place to pause. Trent, I don't know if it'd be as worthless as Thanks, his, guys. but it's a philosopher. She's a philosopher, so she had a degree in philosophy. Don't know where that degree is going, but anyway, uh, she was so depressed she threw herself off of the bridge Thames in London. She'd been deeply depressed and had written a letter not long before her attempt that she hoped she would not be snatched from death. So she was hoping she would die. She was oh. writing out. She was ready to commit suicide, ready to give up the ghost. Right? She was DNR. DNR. Uh, this was a reasonable concern, actually, because in the last half of the 18th century, physicians had just started beginning to understand that drowning is reversible. So it's kind of weird to think about that because we're so used to it. Is that like when a fish would come out of the water and walk on land? <laughs> yeah. A fish called what? Fish people. Fish called, fish Wanda. called Wanda. So it had been discovered that some nearly drowned people who appeared to, to be dead could be revived if they were pulled from the water quickly and resuscitation procedures were performed. Now, in 1774, two physicians, William Hawes and Thomas Cogan, set up the Royal Humane Society of London, not for dogs, for people, uh, to inform the public about resuscitation techniques. At that point, the mechanics of it were not well understood. Now, get this. Like, what? Have you taken a CPR class, any, any of you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to take them every two years. Several. Right? So I have to take CPR classes every two years, and it's changed over the years that I've been teaching. So, like, they don't do the same types of compressions. They don't do the mouth thing anymore. You uh, don't do it to the theme of staying stay alive. alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> uh, you have to do a lot of compressions now. It's pretty crazy. But anyway, um, at that point, they didn't understand it, but some of the recommended procedures, such as forcing air into the victim's airway, was common. You know, performing abdominal compressions. So they pushed on the abdomen as opposed to the chest. So they'd push on the abdomen to push up the... Uh, push air. the bad air out. The yeah. Water. What, what's it called? The sternum muscle right there that's under above your under your lungs that pull it down. Stomach. Somebody. We'll call it the flippy flop thing. Flippy flop. There you go. Uh, that works. That was effective. Aorta. While others, such as, and this is something they started with, because they were big into it. You got to remember in the 1600s to the 1800s, bloodletting, spleen. Bloodletting. No. Is that the word you were looking for? No. Damn it. <laughs> it's a muscle. Isn't the spleen, spleen a muscle? Spleen's an organ. Sphincter. Is spleen an organ? Use your Trent. Diaphragm. <laughs> it's the diaphragm. Oh, there it's we the go. Diaphragm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's guys. Yeah. We were waiting. It's the muscle that pushes the We were the testing the audience. Diaphragm. Anyway. All right. Uh, I had no idea. So, bloodletting. Now, here's a little background on that. If you guys don't know, back then, physicians were physicians. But in the 15 and 1600s, uh, barbers were physicians. You guys knew this, right? No. So look this up. This is an actual real thing. Yes, yeah, uh, Not only they could cut your hair, <laughs> but they could blood bloodlet and leech you. And that's what part of the spiral red thing on the barber's pole meant. What? Yeah, look that up. It's wow. pretty interesting. I'm so actually they, here you for You can get a, a nice trim and some leeching. I'm here for a fade and a kidney transplant. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. They were still doing bloodletting at this time. Now, here's the other really weird one. 
I don't know what it means. I didn't look it up because I didn't have time, but let's just conjecture. Administering tobacco smoke enemas. Well, that sounds horrible. That sounds not fun at all. How do you get the smoke in their ass? You have to blow somebody, it in there. Somebody bends over, spreads, grabs both okay. cheeks of their hands. Tobacco smoke enemas. Now, I this is where it. the saying in the early 1900s came from. Blowing smoke up someone's ass. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I was gonna say I picture like a funnel with a like tube on it. Up Are you actually doing ass. anything, or are you just blowing smoke up my ass? <laughs> oh yes, I am. Now I'm literally I, blowing smoke. Now up what your I ass. tell you, I want you to clench real tight. <laughs> it's long. It's long cut tobacco, though. It's all right. It's good oh. for you. It's good for your spleen and your diaphragm. <laughs> At that point, it's just chewing tobacco. They're just spitting in your ass. <laughs> ding, ding. What spittoon? I feel better button. already. That's how colon cancer was brought about. Oh, my God. That's so, Mary's mother wrote, quote, I have only to lament that when, when the bitterness of death was passed, I was inhumanely brought back to life in misery. She died two years later from per- peripheral fever, whatever that means. Peripheral vision. Peripheral fever. About 10 days after giving birth to Mary. So, oh. she had Mary and then died. Her resuscitation and her despair at being saved echo throughout Frankenstein's pages, where tragedy is set in motion by a rash attempt to make life out of death. So, this whole thing about her mom trying to commit suicide before she had her and then getting saved and resuscitated, obviously that was a story that all of her relatives told her and she used that as part of her, you know, coming up with this story of saving life. Okay. Um... Also, John Conrad Dipple. Insert joke there. Dipple. Dipple. Got nothing. Uh, born in 1673, died in 1734. So this was a while before 1795, obviously. He was a German pietist theologian, a physician, an alchemist, and possibly an occultist. Okay. Dipple was very controversial during his time and his attempts to dissolve traditional churches for a more personal faith. He also rejected the Bible as the literal word of God. So at this time, everybody in his probably area kind of hated him because it was a very Christian-y type era. He was actually put in jail for heresy for a seven-year sentence. He created... Eventually, a thing called Dipple's Oil. <laughs> so Dipple liked to dabble in the oil business. He Dipple dabbled. He Dipple dabbled. You get dipples for your nipples, it makes them hairy. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're still on that rubbing nipples thing. I mean, he's putting it out there at least. I know? was never going to get off of it. He's a little harny. Oh, he was going to get off on harny. it. <laughs> and he went on to invent the rubber dipple. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to talk about nipples, just don't bring it up. Okay, so the dipple oil was supposed to be the equivalent of an alchemist's dream of life, the elixir of life. Okay? Dream of the elixir of life. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Um, so that was like one of their like core tenements was trying to find out what the elixir of life was. They were trying to find a way to combine these uh, these base metals and liquids into something that would sustain life. Or, you know, uh, extend life. <clears throat> Sorry, speaking of the elixir of life, I'm a little parched over here. <laughs> do we have any shots we could take this I week? Think we do. 
use the element which brings life. And it looks like a very uh, Frankensteinish, dipply look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very oozy. Very green. Describe this for us, uh, Torrance. This is going to be um, a green apple. It's, it's definitely green. It smells <laughs> green apple. It smells kind of like sour. Is it sour? I'm not going to lie to you. Sour. I'm not going to lie to you. Is it sour? It smells like pure gasoline. <laughs> We're going to call this uh, Frankenstein shot. Okay. We just named that ourselves. It's not a mix of anything. It's literally uh, a shot of like sour green apple from our sponsor that doesn't sponsor us yet, but they will. You know him. Old Smokey. Looks like Frankenstein's splooge. Why would you say that, right? But why is it so runny? It's going in your mouth. Right? Urine, maybe. Maybe not. It looks like the ectoplasm, plasm, high C stuff. Oh. You remember yes, that? Yes, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Plasma cooler or something. I don't know what it's oh, called. Oh, yeah. The, yeah those it's like in the little pouches or yeah, the high yeah. C boxes. Uh, oh, yeah. already, okay, here we okay, go. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. What was I supposed to... <laughs> like a Jolly Rancher. It's good. It just <laughs> snuck up on me. It's not too bad. So, jo- Johan Conrad Dippel. Uh, he was religious, but he was also a scientist for the time. Maybe in the occult. We don't know. He had a lot of accusations towards him. He dabbled. But here's where it gets interesting. A lot of people knew him. He became famous. He was born and stayed in Castle Frankenstein. It's actually a castle. Oh, where was the thunder sound effect, Ian? Come on now. Oh, I'm sorry. My dun-dun-dun wasn't good enough for you, Trent. What did you say? Thunder. What was the word? Castle Frankenstein. Castle Frankenstein. You mean it's gonna be an ad? <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> it's it's gone. We're, we're moving on. He practiced alchemy and anatomy. So you guys know what alchemy is, right? Yeah. Like a, they look for base metals and how to mix them together to to create potions and life. And they were trying to take one metal and another metal, and make it into more precious metal like gold, stuff like that. Castle Frankenstein. Sorry, I left the front door open. I'll go close it real quick. That was like the most like least dramatic thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I closed the door. It's quiet out there now. You think Castle Frankenstein? You hear like a big loud thunder boom. And it's like, you Castle mean like Frankenstein? You mean like this? Louder. No, still not. I mean, it is. It's more dramatic flair. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh would be very disappointed. <laughs> that guy. We'll so the other him. thing, he, he did alchemy. <laughs> he, also, he also studied anatomy. And that's, you know, still a uh, area of study in science. So he was alleged to be working with nitroglycerin in this castle. Um, and supposedly he blew up a whole section of the castle. Right. That was the rumor, because once I told you about what he said about the Christian religion at the time, even though he was a Christian, he didn't fully believe that the Bible was the word of God, and he also didn't believe you know, that traditional churches should be a thing, it should be more personal faith. Uh-huh. So they didn't like him, they made up a lot of stories about him all the time. And how we know this is nitroglycerin wasn't discovered for another 30 years after his death. 
So he was not working with nitroglycerin. So that's just a myth that lasted. See, I was going to ask when you first said that, like, did guy. they actually have that then? No. <laughs> I thought you'd get to it, so I didn't want to like bury the lead on yeah. that. Did they have nitro or glycerin, just not both at the same mm, time? Probably both. He also supposedly performed experiments on cadavers in which he attempted to transfer the soul of one cadaver into another. Um, there's also a soul transference that he supposedly started, which is, as we know now, astral projection. Mm. So where you have that out-of-body experience and you could travel and go to other places and times and different places around the world and different yeah. dimensions. You could fight people on the astral plane. And if you could actually get your body to move into something else, you can actually take over another person's body, which is transference. Morgan. So soul transference with cadavers was a common experiment among alchemists at the time and was a theory that Dipple supported in his writings, but there's no direct evidence to link these specific acts. A lot of this shit's just made up against him. Like, some of that stuff might have been real, but more than likely, most of it was made up. However, he did experiment quite frequently with dead animals, of which he was an avid dissector. He dissected multiple animals per day. In his dissertion, Remedies of the Life of the Flesh, Dipple claims to have discovered both the elixir of life and the means to exercise demons through potions that he co-mixed up from boiled animal bones and flesh. Sounds like a witch. Well, I think he's like using some of the cauldron. I think he's using some of the common bullshit that they believed in at the time, plus real science, and he was just mixing it together to make money. You guys got demons? I would have hated to smell what his lab was like. Bro, everybody back then probably smelled like thirty day old taint. Yeah, you probably right. <laughs> Nobody showered. They had 30, it. They had 30 no is being generous. I know. Three hundred day old taint. I like to think they might have went down to the river and washed they their did ass not. a little bit. In the river. The yeah, native, what you said. The river. Not the Ohio river. Native Americans said they were the dirtiest, nastiest people on earth. Oh damn. Native Americans. They didn't wash uh, their ass. They blew smoke were, up it. Uh, you're yeah. right. You're right. Keep up with the story, man. <laughs> They're going to smoke up my like, ass. Oh, oh smoky. Yeah. You got to stop it. You won't oh, smoke up my ass. ass right now. <laughs> that same essay in which Dipple claimed to have believed that souls could be transferred from one corpse to another by using a funnel. So a this funnel did, of somebody's This ass. dude was the, a, a scientist and had <laughs> learned studies, and he was also a professor. But he believed that he busted out the souls beer bomb. Be, hey guys, you want to get someone else's body? <laughs> yeah, you could transfer one corpse to another. Their souls fill it up funnel. again. Fill it up again, Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. In 1751, England passed what was known as the Murder Act, which allowed the bodies of executed killers to be used for scientific tests. <clears throat> now they don't do that anymore. <laughs> but that was a weird for a long time. <clears throat> Uh, I just he, connected to me that he mentioned killers and Ian got real uncomfortable. Oh, so. uh, <coughs> uh, <coughs> well, it just made me think of that scene in the movie. Yeah, where Victor gets the body. <laughs> That's what the story's about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry really that I made a like connection it. with the real story in the movie. How dare you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm, I'm just trying to blow smoke up your ass, man. 
Yeah, so, bend over and grab cheek. It better be that good tobacco. I don't want none of that bullshit. Some Newports. Yeah. That's yeah, give right. me that menthol feeling. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> use a minty body wash. I get the weird sensation. That people are chasing me. Spray, spray cool water all over my Feels ass. like my butthole just God damn, Newport. that shit feel good. <laughs> ah, I'm Larry Holmes. Okay, it was only a matter of time before scientists, even though they weren't called scientists at the time, uh, tried to play God. So that's that's the thing, you know, this all set it into effect. It started in 1790, or 1780, I'm sorry, uh, when Italian, Italian professor Luigi Galvani, does that name ring a bell? Uh, Luigi, Luigi Galvani, not Luigi like... <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, me, Luigi. Yeah. Luigi. You're thinking of his brother Mario. Oh. <laughs> so the whole time they're in this castle is actually Bowser's castle. Makes sense. Is this where Mario came from? Yeah, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. I knew you it. trickster. This whole time. <laughs> Galvani, we know from galvanism time. or galvanizing. Oh. Like bringing... galvanized metal? Yes. Here I've we go. That the horror you know. Discovered that he can make the muscles of a dead frog twitch by jolting it with electricity. <laughs> Movie ring a bell? Mm-hmm. Eh? Nope. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just pointing to wells in general. You know. You know, you know when you put the dead girls up you know, to when a you, car battery when and their legs to reanimate corpses yeah. in your basement. I hook the electrodes up to their nipples. <laughs> and the other ends go to guys, his nipples. seriously, <laughs> if he becomes a serial Charges killer, you guys heard his. it here first. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he just, oh, yeah. So <laughs> those are good. Got to put the right nipple on first to ground it, though. You're right, you're right. Galvani then began taking an interest in the field of medical electricity. This field emerged in the middle of the 18th century following electrical researches and the discovery of the effects of electricity on the human body by scientists including Bertrand Bajon, Raymond Termeyer in the 1760s, and by John Walsh and Hugh Williamson I thought you were in the 1770s. Adam Sandler's Cajun Man from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I love the way you just Ramon. said that name. Those names. Electrocution. Electrocution. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Galvani developed the idea of animal electricity. He later fought with Alessandro Volta. You know where that's from? Bolt- voltage. High voltage. Voltage meter. Yeah. Volta, about animal electricity, Volta was credited as the inventor of the electric battery and the discoverer of methane. <laughs> methane, which is also used for Meth. He probably just farted and was like, what is this? <laughs> Let me light a match to see. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Explosion. Volta proved that electricity could be generated chemically and debunked the prevalent theory that electricity was only generated solely by living beings. So up to this time, we didn't know how electricity worked. And he debunked that theory. Okay. After years of performing similar experiments on animals, scientists finally turned their attention to humans. Here's where it gets interesting. It was bound to happen. So it started off with uh, this murder act where they could experiment and put, you know, basically killers or people that were murdered, not murdered, people that are hung, executed. They well, could take them um, to the universities, dissect them, work on them, experiment on them, 
legally without any kind of permission, right? Hell yeah. Now you have to like donate your body <laughs> to science for that. Hell yeah. <laughs> Calm down over there. But they just like donate these murders every day, like here's another body for you. Well, that, that's a that's a good interesting thing because it came about. It was such a big business because they would sell them to the the cadavers to the uh, the universities, and there was no such thing as plastic. So to have skeletons, they would take real skeletons and sell those to the universities. What? So people started a business of just digging up bodies that were not criminals and selling those to the universities, or they started actually there's many instances of them killing people on the streets, like street urchins and homeless people. <laughs> Go and, on. And I just picture him going around with a wagon around town. Dead. I was thinking, I was thinking, I was like literally waiting for my segue to get into that. Cause I was going to say, bring out your dead. Now there was I'm actually a movie dead. about it called Burke and Monty Hare Python or something. Did you, did you ever see that movie? What was that? Burke and Hare. Burke and Hare or something like that. Nope. And it was a, it was like a semi true story kind of a comedy horror. I'm not dead. <laughs> and it was like two dudes that would go There's around enough. like killing people to make money by selling them to universities. That's really That's what wild. they were doing. No, nope, I haven't seen that. You're giving Wells a lot of good ideas. Today. I know, right? That's why I do this podcast. I wonder if Ivy Tech needs anybody. <laughs> so here's where, here's where we go back to the second part of where she got her inspiration. Accused killer George Foster. So I kind of gave you exposition on leading up to this. George Foster, or Forster, Forster, was executed for murder, murdering his wife and daughter. Immediately after the execution, his corpse was taken to a nearby house and experiment, experimented on by the Italian scientist Giovanni Aldini. That's when things started to get interesting. Aldini's most famous public demonstration of this was the electrostimulation technique of deceased limbs. And it was performed on the execution of this criminal, George Foster, at Newgate, London in 1803. The Newgate calendar describes what happened. So this is, this is a news report of what they actually saw. On the first application of the process to the face, the jaws of the deceased criminal began quivering, and the adjoining muscles were horribly contorted. One eye was actually opened up, and in the subsequent part of the process, the right hand was raised and clenched, and the legs and thighs were set into motion. So you had this dead body. They put all this shit on him, ran some electricity through him, and he started, you know. Dancing like Michael Jackson. Dancing like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's a lot of <laughs> coming off of that. He was, a, he was like a dancing corpse while he was alive. Oh, God. The way you're making me feel. <laughs> well, Wells doesn't appreciate that. Was that Michael Jackson? Is this Michael Jackson met Michael McDonald? <laughs> your, your impersonation. I can't, get a, my, I can't get my voice that high. I was going to say it was a very deep Michael Jackson Well, I'm going to have to squeeze my balls to get we'll it to go it. any higher. You got to do what you got to do for it. the podcast, man. Oh, really we'll plug not. some electricity to him. Yeah. Wells has one in his truck. You know what we should have done? We should have got like little 9-volt batteries and all just shocked ourselves every time I mentioned electricity. Don't need that. Like I got a taser. What if we all got like the dog shot Put them on our tongue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You Put it, it on you anywhere. Go tase your tongue. Let's see what it does. Uh, <laughs> easy tune. Having <laughs> second thoughts. Uh, no. Shut up really quick. That's been a, been a while since you had a good tongue tasing. Yeah, I'll bring it next time just for you guys. 
bring the taser? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't what want What kind it. of taser? He's admitting every one of his tricks for his murderous spree. <laughs> <laughs> like, got the prongs on the end? Or? Yep. It does. Ridiculous. Why do you have that? I don't know, because it's cool. Why is it cool? Because it's a weapon that emits electricity. This just... motherfucker carries around guns, knives, the gun I can understand, tasers, <laughs> throwing stars, <laughs> throwing stars, blow really darts. I have all that? these things. He used to have blow darts. A, I have all these stars, things. And he had a he had nunchucks. Yeah, I have like six axes. katanas. I don't doubt it. Yep. You gotta spice it up. Who sometimes. was that that told you they knew how to nunchuck when you lived on that house in Deputy and they took it and they started to nunchuck and hit Larry. themselves in the face? That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Like, don't do it. Like, Just please you, don't. You, and like, he did it. You got the nun part right, but you ain't chucking. Fellow chucker, eh? Fellow chucker, eh? Chucking his teeth out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the experiments carried out by Aldini were to determine whether the galvanization process. Or the contraction of muscles stimulated with an electric current. That's what galvanization means. Uh, could be used as an auxiliary for medical purposes. It was never his intention to raise the dead or create new life. Aldini induced convulsions in the cadaver's body by attaching electrodes, which were powerful enough to cause movements which made the corpse appear to come to life. Causing the eyes to open as one thing, but the other thing that it doesn't mention in that article... That actually happened. Uh, he did rectum experiments that caused what? them that caused them to completely set what? sit up. <laughs> what was your wait? Did it was well, one of these? You're familiar, <laughs> you're familiar with pulling stick a finger up there. <laughs> you're familiar. Woo! With, <laughs> that's like Easy. Those, that's like those people that break up dog fights by pushing them on the old brown button. <laughs> Have you seen that? I feel like I know what you're talking for some reason. There's a whole thing on TikTok where guys, videos of people breaking up like dogs biting something and they just go up and push them on the old brown button to well, get them Well, if someone had come up and pushed me by the asshole, I'd probably <laughs> do whatever I'm gonna I am going to try that too. next time my wife argues with me. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. I'm sorry, but I can see that happening. Uh, Won't be the last thing I ever did. You know she can't Poor do it to Jensen. him since, since. Poor Jensen, I'm sorry. But, the thumb's too small for Trent. You're going to get a thumbkin. It's coming. She. She. <laughs> Somebody got a thumbkin. You're like, yeah, sorry, baby. So, you got to wait till pretty early you to have a thumbkin. to get me. Did you ever get a thumbkin? No. I don't. You, do you want you one? Know what they are? Do you want they one? don't. That's what this guy did to these the bodies. It's also known as the old dipstick. Thumbkin? Checking the old dipstick. And dipstick as well. Worse than a blumpkin? No, blumpkins yes. are way better. <laughs> Well, it depends on who you are. It depends on if you're receiving or giving the blumpkin. Well, I'm not giving them. Are you? What you I was talking about us specifically. You got experience in this? Yes. I'm on a both ends? Yes. You know, you can go down on a girl when she's uh, taking a shit, too. How you get your head in there? Oh, God. You got to really get in there. That just got... Oh, yeah. this is, much, this is too you much. Your chin rests it? right on the t- the toilet seat. Right there where there's a little Where's bit of pee. Oh, yeah, we got to wipe it first. That's what the beard's for. We're stumbling on a whole oh new gosh. kind of scientific experimentation now. We need to just pivot I'm this sorry. Episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need a set of diagrams listen, for this. All this I'm saying is, listen, listen, ladies, <laughs> these guys aren't willing to do things that I'm willing to do right now. That's right, ladies. He's, he's completely he's, correct about that. If you're trying to take a shit and get pleasure at the same time, I'm your bearded man yeah call it call like me. like i don't understand the physics of that it's maybe it's like a that and a 
Cleveland Steamer hybrid. She's just like over top. Maybe he's She's hovering. <laughs> Don't she you mean Cleveland be. Screamer? We changed that. That's if you're dead, if you're a ghost. Oh. Okay. <sighs> We're moving on. Right. Gosh dang. <laughs> Nobody, please. Okay, later professors Andrew Ure and J- James Joffrey. <laughs> Joffrey. 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 Glasgow. From Glasgow, Scotland, conducted a series of experiments on Matthew Clydesdale, who was hanged for murdering an 80-year-old man. Ure and Joffrey were keen to find out whether the dead could be brought back to life. So this is the first time they actually wanted to try to bring somebody back. So using a galvanic battery, they applied voltage to the dead body. Here I quote, A light air tube connected with a galvanic battery was placed in one of the nostrils. His, his chest immediately heaved. He drew breath. His eyes opened widely, apparently in astonishment. He did positively rise and stood upright. His neck has not been dislocated on the gibbet. And he had now actually come to life again through the extraordinary operation of the galvanic battery. Some students screamed out. A few fainted on the spot. Others clapped their hands in applause. That's what clapping your hands means right yep. <laughs> yes they were killing flies Why'd they, put they were paying attention <laughs> the professor pulled out his ooh. the professor pulled out his unnerring lancet and plunged it into the jugular Excuse vein me? unnerring lancet it sounds oh. very sexual basically basically really basically his surgical knife uh plunged oh, yeah. it into the jugular vein of the culprit who instantly fell like a slaughtered ox on the blow of the butcher that was in, in a medical journal. They wrote that. Uh, so that's a very dramatic telling of that. I know, right? Yuray's yeah. <laughs> own recollection, meanwhile, was far less dramatic and probably more accurate. Writing about the events afterwards, he recalled how the corpse performed movements of breathing by stimulating the phrenic nerve and the diaphragm. Additionally, when the body's sub supraorbital nerve was excited, it caused the killer's face to display a range of emotions such as rage, horror, despair, anguish, and ga- and a ghastly smile. Not once did he claim that it was a resurrected That's body, it. which makes his tale <laughs> far less exciting than that of the aforementioned journal. But you can see why it caused you know people to kind of overreact. <laughs> was he doing that though? Ghastly. Yes. Yeah. Ghastly. He did the ghastly. Grin. Ghastly. So was it an overreaction then? I guess it was. It wouldn't be like we. We've seen this shit in our science classes. I saw all shit like this in science class. You put, you know, they brought a murderer back to life. No, you put different <laughs> polarities into a dead like frog's legs and it'll jump. You can put salt, which creates that salt acid on frog legs, and they'll start jumping. Right? Oh, you salt your frog legs, don't you? You put a little salt on them. <laughs> Sorry, some of my actual legs or nothing. Mary Shelley heard all these things and she was actually like uh, with different groups in her college that went to different parts of this country that actually like heard these stories. So more than likely she heard all these stories. It was in newspapers and journals. It was at universities. She went to university. She was a well-educated woman. She heard all these stories plus that combined with her mom's drowning and then learning to resuscitate people. All of this got people not only excited about the future, but it got them scared. So like a lot of people that were very religious, I was claiming, I was equally right? part excited 
frightened and aroused. <laughs> yes. Like yes, this. Oh! Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Not in that order. <laughs> and she had already been writing about this. Like a lot of people, the, the old story goes, what have you heard about the story on how she wrote it, right? You guys know anything about that? She uh, style? Are you talking about the paper. style it was wrote? I don't know. Like how she wrote the story, how she came up with the story. Oh, no, no, no. I'm I mean, sorry. I just told you the, the two things that influenced her, but the the story goes that on a dark and stormy night, and that's why we started off with a dark and stormy night, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Lord Byron and Mary Shelley, which she married Lord Byron, and two of their friends, they were all uh, writers and philosophers and rich people that had all fuck to do didn't they want to like see if they could come up with the who could come up with the scariest story yeah okay in a weekend and she wrote the best one supposedly like this wish we would have had that earlier but yes also a very calm storm I was gonna say I'm gonna fall asleep now everybody acts (laughs) like this 19 year old girl how can a 19 year old girl write this story well you gotta remember one is the average age expectancy was 32 years old back then no. So, 19 years old. So she was old pretty ripe at that was, point. Was <laughs> the right definitely. Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy. <laughs> Easy. 19 years old was almost middle-aged at this point, right? So, her middle-aged life at that point, basically at 19 years old, I mean, she was well-learned. She uh, was rich. Had five rich, kids. Had, yeah. Three weeks away three from retirement. So, uh. so, she knew her shit. And she already had been writing some of these stories, type stories, in her journal. And already knew some of these stories to begin with. So it wasn't like a like it says this one grand weekend where she just out of the blue came up with one of the greatest horror stories ever. It was something that she was influenced on and it was already it's starting been to cooking. Write. Been cooking for a been while. Been cooking, yeah. Stewing. So that's the story behind them. Now here's what I want to talk about with the movie. Okay? Okay. And I'm I'm less interested in the movie and more interested in some of the medical advances and the movies that were made about the book. Okay. So the first organ transplant, you guys know when that was? 1903. Nope. 1950. <laughs> you just pull that out. Yeah. 1950, 1950. Obviously. Dr. Dr. Richard Dick lawyer, Dick lawyer, Dick, <laughs> no, hey. Dick Lawler, Lawler. Dick Lawler. Okay. Dick Richard Lawler. Dick Lawler. Dr. James West and Dr. Raymond Murphy performed the first successful kidney transplant at Little Company of Mary Hospital in Same. Evergreen Park, Illinois. Mm-hmm. By 1986, transplants were much more common. In 1986, there were over 9,000 kidney transplants performed in that calendar year in the U.S. Survival rate was over 85%. What are the odds? I was just talking about a kidney transplant earlier. And a nice fade. <laughs> you know when the first limb was transplanted? 1964. 1964. Is it? Yep. No. September, what? September, no. September. Are you serious? Are you looking at my notes? No. Wow. Are you serious? September 7th, 1964. No what? fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> the first extremity was replantation. Don't fist bump that. He cheated it. No, I really didn't. You think you I know, can read that from here? Yeah, you you read, know the first limb. It's the Frankenstein You juice. read the cards before we, we read to his brain. What's the first <laughs> limb? The first limb? Yeah. I'm going to go... Oh, God. It's got to be an arm or a leg. leg. It was a leg, for sure. I'm going to go arm. Finger. It was a hand. That was my next I had, guess. I had the I right arm. Bivascular <laughs> anosmosis technique was successfully f- performed soon after the first replantation of a complete thumb amputation 
using microvascular anosmosis. I hope I'm saying that right. In a human was successfully conducted by Komatsu in 1968. And then the first breast implant was in... (laughs) Heart transplant. What year? Well, we're going forward, right? So 1972. Five. 1967. December 3rd. Bernard... Too far ahead. Dr. Bernard transplanted a heart... From a 25-year-old woman fatally injured in a car accident into Louis Washkansky, a 53-year-old South African grocer dying from chronic heart disease. Mm. Now, interesting thing is he didn't live much longer. He died of different, like, internal... Uh, Not related to the... Yeah, it They're was like, related huh. to the transplant. It wasn't it was, heart disease after all. It was from the surgery. <laughs> it's from the surgery. Oh, shit. He actually needed a head transplant. <laughs> <laughs> they actually transplanted the a head the heart, heart, heart. Of, the heart at the end of his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with this? That man's all heart. Oh, my God. In 1982, the first permanent artificial heart was transplanted in 61-year-old patient named Barney Clark by surgeons at the University of Utah. Dr. Willem Kolf, who was mentioned earlier, led the team that worked on the artificial heart. Can you imagine being the first guy? To like, do we're going to give you a fake heart. What do you think about that? Well, the first one was a pig <laughs> Did you heart, give me a right? real one from someone else? <laughs> they, they tried putting pig's hearts in people. Didn't work, but now they work. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Imagine being somebody that it failed on. We're pretty sure we can use this pig's heart on you. <laughs> We mean pretty sure. It's 60-40. If not, you'll make some mighty fine it's bacon. It's probably like putting a lawnmower battery in your car. It'll work, but not for long. Okay. June 11, 1963. The first human lung transplant. Patient un- undergoing the transplant was James Hardy. Oh, no. James Hardy performed it. Uh, the patient undergoing the transplant had been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer and lung, lung abscesses, and the odds of long-term success were not in Hardy's favor. The guy died less than six months later, hmm. but it was the it was successful for six months. Now they could actually we call it six. It was a great success. He's well, it dead. Kept him, <laughs> it kept him alive for six months. It's pretty good. He lived for an hour. I'd call that a good success. <laughs> it's not a failure. <laughs> in the late nineteenth century, renowned Swiss surgeons. We're not going in out, uh, order of uh, he's dates. Trying to throw us now. I'm say. throwing you off. Nin- late nineteenth century. A uh, renowned Swiss surgeon, Jacques Louis Revederin, performed the Revederin. That sounds like a weird bedroom name you made up for yourself. Here it is. Revederin. I'm Jacques Revederin. Here comes Revederin. It's like a little feather. <laughs> feather With the French ticket. Rev me. Rev me. little feather in my cap, my Jimmy cap. Uh, performed the first successful, get this. We're talking 1800s. First successful what? Well, first we've already said left. heart. We've already said lung transplant. No, we just already said, said lung. lungs. Uh, we said limb. We said brain. Brain transplant. No. <laughs> In the 1800s? They haven't done a brain transplant yet. But they haven't is, tried. Is it an organ? They tried. <laughs> they have tried. Is it an organ or an appendage? It is an organ. How many liver. organs have we not Liver about? transplant. Okay, here we go. Can you do that? Kid- the no, first kidney. successful. Pancreas. Skin transplant. Uh, oh. The biggest organ of them all. The biggest wait, organ of them all. Wait, wait, wait. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, this yeah. breakthrough paved the way for the first successful skin graft. 
which was performed in Denmark in 1870, although the skin grafts look like they go all the way back to ancient Egyptian times. Trent, you got a lot of ass meat over there. I think you could... Uh... <laughs> If so, you were lost in your own. So was it like a tiny, tiny part of the skin, or was it like it wasn't reskinned like a, his whole body? No, no. Oh my God, <laughs> he like a leather body, face. A skin graft. We all know what that is. Right. Where you're taking, you know, skin from another part of the body or regenerating cells. Yeah, in that from part. your ass. So they would take little pieces and put it in. And they would graft itself to the the wound. They actually do that for real, don't they? Like they'll take skin from people's asses and put yeah. it other places. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, you're interesting, aren't you? Yeah, so if I need it, I'm very so interested. for healthcare. <laughs> the reason I said that is this is interesting because a lot of this stuff it's talking no about is stuff that quote unquote modern technology is doing, but they had this shit in Africa, not to be confused in Egypt. Modern love. Native Americans did mm-hmm. it. I mean, the skin grafting and some of this other stuff that they're talking about, they've done for years. Now they didn't transplant hands and all that stuff, but you know, it's kind of stuff that they've been doing a while. So here's some other things that uh, we're going to talk about. So those are all like modern miracles that have to do with the Frankenstein mythos, right? Now here's some newer ones. Stem cell research or regenerative medicines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's stem cell therapy known as regenerative medicine promotes the repair, response of disease, dysfunctional or injured tissue using stem cells or their derivatives is the next chapter in organ transplantation and uses cells instead of donor organs, which are in limited supply. A primary goal of stem cell research is identifying how undifferentiated stem cells become differentiated. Some of the most serious, serious medical conditions such as cancer and birth defects are due to abnormal subdivision and differentiation. So that's why like you, we've had that controversy in the last 10 years especially with the current political climate that we have about skin cell research going back and forth. Is it moral? Is it amoral? This whole current climate goes right back to the whole thing they were talking about in the 1800s, 17 and 1800s with this kind of research, right? That's the whole thing that Mary Shelley's books about. Do we play God or do we not? Is it beneficial or is it, Against God's will, right? That is the question. Did you get it? That is the question. We also have cloning. Cloning is a technique scientists use to make exact genetic copies of living things, genes, cells, tissues, even whole animals can now be cloned. Some clones already exist in nature. Single-celled organisms like bacteria make exact copies of themselves each time they reproduce. There are three types of cloning. Gene cloning, which creates copies of genes and segment DNA, reproductive cloning, which creates copies of whole animals, and therapeutic cloning, which creates embryonic stem cells. Now, why would we need to study that right now? Ian Wells, what do you think? How would that help? Cloning? Yes. Because you can get the... uh, Any of those three types. Organs that match the exact person by cloning them. Yeah, but you're going to be dead by the time they grow up to match. Can't, it can't. It's not like a, one of those water grow things at Walmart. I don't know, blood you don't maybe. Just grow a person that quickly. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> People might think cloning blood <laughs> cells. The cells exactly. So that's the thing. 
we're trying to find a cure for cancer. I don't know if you heard recently, but they've been using these certain types of stem cells over in Germany, and they, they've actually cured AIDS patients. What? Yeah. Five of them. Seriously? Damn. Five I have not heard them. that. Now, will that ever come here? No, because the FDA won't approve it because we want to make money somehow off of it. Yeah. However, if you want to go to a foreign country and cure your AIDS, it might be possible <laughs> in the next five years. Everyone See, Trent, there is hope. Not that you have AIDS. I'm Everyone sorry, has AIDS. Just like, That's crazy. Wait. What did you just say? That's crazy. I said everyone has AIDS. Like I, be, I truly, believe, yeah. no, I truly believe cancer is going to be cured from this. Everybody's looking for medicines. I don't think medicines going to cure it. I think stem cell. I think research. it cures out there. We just don't need to have it yet or know it or want to I think share we, it. I think I think stem cells is close. So, no human cloning cloning yet. Even though there have been rumors and somebody in 2002 claimed their company cloned a human, but they never produced that human. But it's an active area of research, and it's not just medical practice anywhere in the world. As of 2023, there's no human clones. But on July 5th, 1996, the first animal was cloned from an adult cell. It was a sheep named... Lucky. Dolly. Dolly. You were close. close. I had the E part. You guys remember Dolly the sheep? I knew it was a sheep. I remember the sheep was cloned. I don't remember remember the name. So it's the first mammal to be successfully cloned using somatic cell nuclear transfer or SCNT technology. The cloning of farm animals for commercial reasons is a current thing. It's not science fiction anymore. So they clone animals all the time now. And they do it for the purposes not only of keeping your livestock more well stocked, but they it's so expensive they only clone you know, the best type of animal. So they will clone the best horses, the best pigs, the best, you know. That's crazy. That's pretty interesting. You clone me? The high cost means that generally only animals with valuable records are cloned. Uh, And the last, or last two frontiers we're going to talk about here um, that were affected or have affected this story or the stories affected them. Who knows? Nanotechnology which is a branch of science of engineering devoted to designing, producing, and using structures, devices, and systems by manipulating atoms and molecules on a nanoscale. Now, how's that going to help? We've all seen science fiction movies about it, but it's actually becoming reality really soon. And making suits made of armor. and <laughs> so save, you can uh... put nanotechnology into somebody and heal them from within. Yeah. See, Trent? It's almost not always a bad thing. Nano. It's almost almost Ant-Man. Do you have a a nano pet? He has a nano. He has a nano. (laughs) Those little virtual pets? Yeah. That you had to feed and clean up the food. and died in the first day. Oh, I forgot about those. Had to reset it. Yeah. Bought my kids one of those one time. They they always died. (laughs) Was that the dry run for getting them an actual pet? Yeah. That's why we didn't get a pet for a long time. You want to explain to me why you're... Little digital pets dead. The dog's dead in the kitchen. We'll just reset it. Come on, Lucky. <laughs> you go to turn it back oh on. God. Your dog has starved to death. So here's the last. Here's the last one. <laughs> Artificial intelligence AI. Freaky. To qualify as AI, kind of a system must exhibit, and this is the actual definition, some level of learning and adapting. For this reason, decision-making systems, automation, and statistics. 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 I'm saying, I'm saying statistics, but it's statistics. It's, it's got like an extra word in there. 
I think I just typed it wrong. Statistics. Uh, those are not considered AI. None of that's considered AI. AI is broadly defined in two categories. Artificial narrow intelligence, A&I, or artificial general intelligence, AGI. To date, 2023, AGI does not technically exist. It's only a theory right now. But they're working towards it. That just means it is totally on its own for its thought process. <clears throat> like Alexa. Which is getting... No, not like Alexa. Alexa's I feel still. like it is. My Google Home Mini learned my name, and I didn't tell it to learn Alexa. You're thinking, of, you're thinking of Megan. They called me by my name one day. Like When I first got it, it was giving me these generic responses. Then one day, it called me by name, and I was like, what the fuck? He's like, I never programmed my name. In it. I Alexa's, did not. Alexa's still programmed with... with like, it still has it still has uh Hold on, I really want to know what you're about to say. Mathematics to it to predict. What this is meaning like is it's one one day it's gonna think on its own. Oh, okay. That's but it doesn't exist yet. So AGI what, does not exist. What are you laughing about? I just picture his home assistant just being like It's Friday, February twenty fourth. Temperature fifty degrees. Where are the bodies, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> you can't hide the bodies. Authorities are on their way to your house now. <laughs> I've alerted the authorities, Ian. <laughs> One day I told her that I loved her, and she said, I am not programmed to feel human emotion, but I think you're awesome. I was like, I'll take that. See? It's programmed to lie to you. <laughs> so the key challenge for creating That's a general AI is to adequately... <laughs> Adequately model the world with all the entirety of knowledge in a consistent and useful manner. Which, I don't think you can ever truly do that, but the way they're getting information into technology and the speed of information into technology, I think it's possible someday. For sure. But it it addresses a particular problem, and here's where we're going to talk about the movies. Unlike human intelligence, narrow AI intelligence is effective only in the area in which it has been trained, such as fraud detection, fa facial recognition, so social recommendations, and it works on algorithms, right? Our brains don't work on algorithms. Our brains work on, on independent thought and repetitive thinking. So we learn things by doing, right? Yep. At some point, AIG is, or AGI is going to be possible. So here is where we are in the world. Using cloning, nanotechnology, artificial intelligence, all this stuff that's coming about over and over again uh, is the same shit that they were working with in the 17 and 1800s with this galvanism and this... Uh, Galvanized. <laughs> this animal electricity <clears throat> stuff. You know people right now are scared of it but think about if people back then that not only blew smoke up people's asses <laughs> leached each other but they also believed in this galvanism stuff which led to eventually artificial limbs lungs lung transplants heart transplants it all eventually leads that experimentation leads to something good eventually hopefully right as science fiction it was back then, it's reality now. So that's the thing. Where do we go go to from here, and how close are we going to get to this godlike status to where we're creating humans? Because we already have the technology probably to clone easily. We can right? rebuild him. But they won't let it. Make him stronger. They won't let us do it. Faster. 
Dun, 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 dun. Did you guys watch Six Million Dollar Man? Yeah, that's. I thought that's what we were doing. Was that the song? I, it was a very crude version of it. I was going to yeah. say, I, I didn't catch it. <laughs> was I clo- he, he thought of it, so I must have been close. He was close, right? In ballpark. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Okay. So, so let's talk about it. You're, <laughs> like, well, you, you, you're familiar with the $6 million man, right? Not really. Like, I never sit down and watch it myself. My brother used to watch it, so I was but familiar But you know, you know yeah. of it, at least. Yeah, I got yeah. you. And that was absolutely influenced by it. Frankenstein. The story. Thank you. Thank you. It was a good good because they had Are technology to rebuild him. Well they they used their technology to make something better. So that's the thing. I got a list of movies here that and there's more of them, T V shows and everything, but all the Frankenstein movies that you ever heard of. Blade Runner nineteen eighty two, Pieces, which is a horror movie from Italy, nineteen eighty two, Terminator, nineteen eighty four, Skynet. The Reanimator, nineteen eighty five. The Fly, 1986. RoboCop, 87. Oh, wow. Edward Scissorhands, 1990. Frankenhooker, 1990. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jurassic Park, 93. May, 2002. Splice, 2009. The Skin I Live In, 2011. Ex Machina, 2014. And most recently, Upgrade, 2018. You forgot one important one. Say I'm it. disappointed in you. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. <laughs> well, that was a wish, though. They, didn't they turned wood into human flesh. Yeah. Explain that. You guys didn't watch the remake? No. The, uh, the, uh, the Guillermo del Toro the one? Tom, the Tom Hanks Pinocchio! One? No, Guillermo del Toro. It was no. like an animated one. I know what you're talking about. Is it like got horror tones to it or what? No. I think there is one that's got a horror tone to it. Isn't there? Is, doesn't, he, doesn't he mostly do horror? Uh, he does like fantasy and stuff too. Like he did, he did Hellboy. So going from Frankenstein the story to all these different movies, obviously you've seen the influence. You can see the influence in all these, and there's a ton more. I'm sure. Frankenweenie, all of them. There's tons of them. Mm, that's a good right. One. No, not a, not a Frankie Weenie. The whole point the movie. of all these movies are when we it's a it's a dichotomy between how far do we push technology and science and and possibly destroy our ideals or our morals, right? That's the whole thing. And in some of those old movies it it is cut and dry religion, right? It's against God's will. But as we all know here in today's society, there's people that believe in God and there's people that are atheists and don't believe in God. That's just kind of how it is at this point in the world. Right? So not all movies are going to be like pushing the God kind of angle, the agenda. What they're pushing is the moralistic angle. Is it moral to do these things? Now you guys seen the movie splice. Did you anybody see that? I haven't seen it all the way through. Adrian right? Brody. I, I've only watched the part where they fuck the thing. Yeah. yeah so he. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> he creates this weird little sexy tadpole and she grows up and they kind of treat her like their daughter. And then eventually she like, it gets worse and worse and worse until it gets out of control. And then that thing starts killing people and this and that. And after, after she has they sex do fuck him. it. Both yeah. of them do separately. I don't know if the woman does. 
Th- there's some sexual on going on. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's there's there's an act of sexual. I think the man definitely does. The man obviously. full on penetration. She she has the uh, the wings coming out of her back or everything. Yeah. Oh, he spliced her all right. <laughs> I, that, think, uh, I think the the creature and the woman. I think they censor. <laughs> they do not. Oh, okay. Splice. <laughs> I already made that, that part of that name. Comes I made from? that part they, up. They spliced. <laughs> They're together. splicing. Only uh, creature I ever wanted to fuck was the. Wait. I want to hear about. I don't want to hear this. The alien from Species. Act like you all didn't want to fuck her. I wouldn't say in her alien form or in her Natasha Henstridge form. Uh, Natasha Henstridge. Yeah, the Natasha form. Then, yeah, <laughs> well, she's, just a, not, she's a very attractive wanna, woman. You just want to do Natasha Henstridge. I just yeah. want a fucking alien being. I love those movies. What's the blue one from X-Men? Mystique. Would you do that? Fuck yeah. She's a human While being. While she's blue? Yeah. yeah. She can look like anything you want to. She, she could. She, well, Jessica I don't know. Whatever. She's all like scaly. You got, are you, are you a scalist, man? That's you what like you are. like having sex with a cheese grater. God. <laughs> Her scales are smooth, bro. a little bit of chafing there down there. How do you know that? Uh, they look smooth. No, if you're going, no scale okay, looks If smooth. you're going with the scale, if you're going against the scale, it'd be rough. <laughs> it'd be some rug it's burn. It's like fucking an iguana. Some rug burn. Jurassic Park. I'd still do it. Leave it to us to go from real moral questions to like <laughs> fucking a scale woman. We haven't tried to get to the moral <laughs> questions. We just... It took us all of two minutes to get there. I was asked. Okay, uh... Terminator, we've all seen that movie. That was just them creating robots that eventually Skynet took boots over. Boots yeah. your motorcycle. <laughs> you uh, left the fly. That went wrong. iRobot. You left that off your list. I did. Oh, true. It, the only reason I left iRobot and artificial intelligence off was they were basically both the same movie and they were kind of like upgrading. I thought upgrading X Mach and they were both better movies. Megan. I haven't seen Megan yet, so I didn't put it. Megan's on. not bad. It's the same yeah, thing. It's pretty decent. Pet uh, Cemetery. Ah. You got that one. I did not. <laughs> that's more. That's more one of those Indian voodoo magical magic. things. Gotta watch out about that road over there. I think Jurassic Park, though, out of all these, <laughs> looking at them, I think uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park and probably Blade Runner are the two most influential outside of Frankenstein. By the way, has anybody? I already know. Has anybody, have you two watched Blade Runner, the original, the OG? Have you watched the director's cut Blade Runner? Don't think so. They're like two different movies. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, it's good. I can't I, remember which one I've I watched. I got it. They're both, they're both good. It's just the director's cut's longer and there's just a lot more, but they're, they've changed some of the scenes too. Hmm. I don't remember. Rutger Hauer in that movie was one of the best Creepy. roles I've ever seen. Roy Batty. Like he was so good. Yeah, I agree. R.I.P. I fucking Did you guys watch movie. Ex Machina? I, I haven't seen nope. that, but I I'd watch Blade, yeah, I'd watch Blade good. Runner right that was now. A good movie. So the uh, the sequel to Blade Runner it was mm-hmm. all right. It was okay. I didn't think it was bad. It was all right. I <laughs> love the original. Is that the yeah. uh, one that came out like a few years ago, or was that yeah. a remake? Well, it was a it was a 20, came out a few years ago. It was a sequel. It had Ryan Gosling in it. Like Twenty forty nine. Yeah, that's what it's called. Ryan Reynolds is a little look alike. Yeah, Ryan Gosling, one of the Ryan brothers. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a Ryan. He talking about trends. Look, one of those Canadian Ryans. AGI, however, would function as humans do. So talking about all those movies, for now the most notable example of trying to achieve this is the use of neural networks. So that's something they've started recently. Uh, And deep learning trained on vast amounts of data. So neural networks are inspired by the way a human brain actually works. Unlike most machine learning models that run calculations on the training data, neural networks work by feeding each other data 
0.1 by 1 through an interconnected network, each time adjusting the parameters. So instead of it trying to predict the outcome, it's working from, it's like a cell. It's working from one to the next and putting those parameters out there. Uh, as more and more data is fed through this network, the parameters stabilize. The final outcome is a trained neural network, which can then produce the desired output of new data. For example, recognizing whether an image contains a cat, a dog, a human face, or a person that you know. So it's gonna start recognizing not just facial recognition, it'll just recognize people, stuff like that, which then it could learn emotions and everything else. So that's kind of scary. The significant leap forward for AI today is driven by technological improvements in the way we can train large neural networks, readjusting vast numbers of parameters in each run, thanks to the capabilities of large cloud computing infrastructures that are being built. For example, the GPT-3 AI system that powers ChatGPT, which is something in the last year. Have you guys heard of ChatGPT? No. Do you know what it is? Yes. You know what it is? Nope. I figured you would, working with the phone stuff. I actually, I heard of this recently. There's like a website you can go on and like interact with it. Yes. Oh, which I think is creepy. You can put in now. You did it, didn't you? <laughs> yes. You can put in certain scenarios to it and it'll write you a paper. Not only a paper on the subject you put in, but you can put in what age level you want it, mm. what country you want it from, so that it'll bring up like the norms of that country or like myth mythologies of that country, and it will write you a paper. So they're talking about now college kids and high school kids are starting to get chat GPT untraceable papers that they can turn in. So kids are going to be able to like just cheat on everything and not that, have any did consequences. You, did you see the... We may be about to say the same thing. What were you going to say? I was going to ask if that's like that stuff you see on Twitter where someone's like, I told AI to write a script for Ted Lasso. Exactly. And this is <laughs> yeah, I was going to say chat, the same thing, but it was, chat a, GPT. It, was, it was about Batman. Yeah, they've got them for everything. And yeah. they're actually, some of them are fucking hilarious. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so like, the more complicated information you feed into it, the more information you're going to get out of it. I was going to say, but the ones you're talking about, the ones you and I are both talking about, were, like, in the first stages, and apparently it's become a lot more wow. advanced. It's, it's kind of creepy. Some I was talking to, uh, actually, so Austin and I were talking funny about at it. first. If it gets too advanced, it's it might like not be same, funny anymore. Same thing as those uh, artist renderings, too, that they're making the paintings out of. Um, they're yeah. Really weird it's got, like, the tip fingers on one hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's not normal. So, um, it is if you're Bruce Almighty. The GPT-3 oh. system has 175 <laughs> billion parameters to it right now, and climbing. So you're thinking Skynet is all in it's the past? Coming. It's no, all no. fake. It's coming. I believe it. We all know that was a prediction of the future. We knew it now here's the out. moral question. I'm going to ask you guys because I wanted to end it on this. We could talk about the movies a little bit if you want to, but I think this is just a fun discussion anyway because it has to do with Frankenstein, but it also has to do with that movie that Johnny Depp was in where he uploaded himself into a mainframe. Do you remember that Transcendence? movie? Transcendence? Transcendence. Yes. So, they're talking about some of this stuff now. To live forever, we might one day, this will be so big that you will not have any memory that you have currently in your brain that won't be able to be uploaded into the cloud. Therefore, 
that collection of you will live on as long as people want it to. Therefore, you technically, if... There's like an episode of Black Mirror like this. You can use that as who you are. And would we be smart enough to know that's not our real bodies? Because some people are like, oh, that's not really you. It's not your body. But do you think your flesh is you? Or do you think your your mind and your memories and your neurotransfers are you? I think I'm on the fifth version of me by now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the dad body. I know I'm not on the best I give my other versions to Wells. He goes and chops them up. And I hope I can be able to like look at myself and be like, whoa, look at my sweet artificial body. <laughs> Got real quiet. <laughs> like you all wouldn't like to have a robot body. Get out of here. With this I, don't even, I don't even know if I want a robot body. I mean, why would you even need a body if you're in a I mainframe? Mean, I have and you always don't know wanted Inspector Gadget arms. You, you don't know what the body you. is. Like, if you're living something in a virtual world, your world's virtual. You don't even have to have the real world anymore. Like the Matrix? Yes. That's where I'm going with this. If we did that, we wouldn't even know we're dead or alive. We would think we're, or we would think we was alive the whole time. We would think whatever virtual world we put ourselves in, that's it. It sounds like a great movie. Did and then you, one day you realize that you're actually dead and you freak out. How do you out. realize it, though? Or know. you meet yourself. That's part of the movie. That's the twist. And what, if this, is, and what if this is what they, they view as... What if this is what heaven was really all about? This is the afterlife? That's really weird means there's a red dot right on your chest right now coming from my window. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bring out the other means. Means. Bring out. Means 2.0. Hey, what was that come movie about the magicians? Remember that? The, the prestige. prestige. I love that movie. Yeah, like, a, yeah. Is that the one with Hugh Jackman? all the clonings yeah. and everything? That's my favorite Chris Nolan movie. I just... Favorite? I just, yeah, I love that movie. Better than The Dark Knight. I just killed your... Yeah. Uh, it is good. It's a great movie. I love. I could watch that. I hope somebody watched it because I literally just gave the surprise ending. Man, prestige? Believed. I think we no, all No, you didn't. There's more it's to it than that. It's been a long time. On that. There's more to it than that. There's well, definitely um, more com- complex... A complexity to that movie than what that's the that's did. the big. It's reveal. it's Chris Nolan. It's ambiguous. You so. you ruined the plot of a movie from over ten years ago. Yeah, well, it's close to movie twenty now. now it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Frankenstein type Hugh stuff Jackman. in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Electricity. Hello, yeah. Tesla, Nikola. Which was David Bowie in that? Yeah, yeah, and. Prestige. Prestige? Mm-hmm. You played Nikola Tesla. Oh. Which is a great band. I was Tesla. thinking of something else. I like I like Tesla. That's a good band. Really damn good band. We're, doing, so we're doing good on time. You go ahead and talk about the movie? Yeah, let's talk about 96. it. 96. You want to talk let's about it? Frankenstein? Renau. Frankenstein. Uh. Oh. Told it was pronounced Frankenstein. Well, the, the iconic movie was the uh, original Universal Monsters movie that, along with The Mummy and Dracula, saved an entire company called Universal. Mm-hmm. An entire company. Without Which those is movies, known as the Universal Monsters. Yeah. They were actually going out of business. Very and good. They released yeah, those good. movies and it saved them. I'm just full of true it. story. That's a true story. Boris Karloff. The originals? Or are you talking about when they did all these remakes the 30s. in the 90s? No, the originals. Uh, they were going out of business at that time. Did remakes in the 30s? Yeah, they did Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula. They did Wolf you're with Jack about, Nicholson. You're talking about remaking from the 30s? Yeah. I thought you said in the 30s. I was like, no. <laughs> no, the, the company was going out of business because it was considered one of the minor companies at the time. Creature from the... Universal Black wasn't Lagoon. a big film studio. It was very small. 
Tiny. Another thing about Frankenstein, they didn't use a lot of the uh, same stuff in the book. Not because they didn't have rights to it, but because Mm -hmm. they thought it would be more palatable to the current audience of the time. They thought wrong. Let me tell you. No, they thought right, because it made a lot of money. Well, that's fair. You talking about the original still? The original. Okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say the original saved a company. We're still talking about the original. Now we're going to the 96 version. Which is much closer to the book. Yes. So, who besides... Well, I'm sorry. You said you... you, And the reason is... That is Hoopastank, isn't it? Yes. So, uh, have you read the book? Yes. All right. Anybody else read the book? I think I read it in high school as well. No? No. Educate yourself, man. It's a good book. It's a good book. Well, here's the thing. I enjoy the book. I'm familiar with the book. I know it's a lot more darker than the movie was. Well... I'm familiar with books. I'm familiar with books. <laughs> I know they have papers. It's, it's yeah. written in the style of... They have paper. It's, it's journals. It's written in the style of somebody writing in a journal. Yeah. Different perspectives of that. I watched a uh, YouTube video on the comparison between the book and the movie. Did they read any excerpts from the book? No. They just well, talked about it. It's it's literally like, you know, Journal of Victor Frankenstein. And it was... Wow. It was like... Back in the summer of 1854, Elizabeth and I would bequeath each other on the beach. <laughs> so it was like literally like you were reading from his diary. On. Yeah. And, uh, in the back seat of my... And the first part, the Walden character... That was bequeathing... Um, Bequeathing. The captain at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It the book starts off with him like basically writing in his writing letter back to his sister, his I beloved. believe. His no, it was his sister. Hey. Um it was a long his, well, it could be his, his beloved. His sister lover. So it was Frankenstein. So he sister. was he was writing back to his sister and then he's like, and then one day we were on the boat and we were on the ice, and then a man came up and we heard this. So that's how this style was written. So I do think it's pretty cool to... Uh, it's a good book. I enjoy the book. What I enjoy the most about the book is... I've told you guys this before. Like, It's so much different from the original that you were talking about. From What was the Boris? Was it 30s? Boris Karloff, 31. 31. So much different. Like There was just this bumbling... like <laughs> Flat top and the <laughs> yeah, bolts, bolts in the, in the neck. neck and everything. Every time I think of that, I think that SNL... Where they're singing the Christmas songs or the Thanksgiving song. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. (laughs) (laughs) It was like Frankenstein. There was like three of them. I can't remember who the other two were now. I can't remember, man. Dang it. Tarzan. Tonto. Was it Tarzan one of them? Yeah. And Tonto. Yeah. But I just think it's it's cool that... um, John Lovitz. I think it's cool that this movie stayed more true to the book because the monster was actually... I don't want to say more intelligent, but like more human. More human was, he was, was quicker to learn. He, his t- intelligence grew. It did, quickly. and then he was able to, you know, talk Wouldn't. and form a coherent sentence other than... Now, how he did that by just reading journals, I don't know. but He couldn't even explain it. Remember, Trent's even, kid is very smart. Oh. Did she read your journals? We assembled her from some parts we dug up. and uh, okay. <laughs> she, she goes, Which, by the way, the movie, the man who was teaching uh, Victor and Henry, did you guys recognize that actor? John Cleese. But he, did you recognize him? He was he not had recognizable, on, uh, no. Prosthetic uh, teeth and a jaw, so he wasn't recognizable. Yeah, 
I read that too, man. Did you recognize him? Is what my question was. Hey, hey, chill out. Nobody. Did you recognize him? I knew it was him, but to answer your question, did if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have recognized no. him. He was pretty unrecognizable. Exactly. That was the point. That was my question. What? What were you getting at, bro? Would you call me? It was Burr. A fun tidbit. Burr. I was asking, like, oh, did you recognize the actor? You're like, no, because he had on prosthetics. Well, yeah, I know. Well, I, I know that, but I'm just saying. You didn't like, recognize. Did you recognize him? No. Do you know who the actor is, though? No. Oh, well, you wouldn't have recognized. I recognize him. Anyway, uh, I won't say I don't like it, but I don't exactly love it. I feel like it's a little. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the time that it was made, but it feels like it's a little over the top right now. Little nineties. Yeah. Little, I agree. It's very over the top. Little Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, definitely. Speaking <laughs> of John Lovitz, Kenneth Branagh is like the human personification of acting i'm a thespian that's I'm like a thespian. no so, a thespian so like dramatic and just so much flair and just are over you talking the about gilderoy gilderoy yeah but hey he's decent actors made some good movies you know why did he have to be like shirtless, shirtless all the time yeah, he, worked, like, he worked hard like for that body shit all over he his abs all the time <laughs> So anyway, Shady I'm thinking in this movie, Victor is going to be yeah. totally fucking ripped. <laughs> yeah, I know because we had to watch him and the monster wrestle around in it for like That was minutes. awkward. Yeah. That was too much. I'm like, just let him fall. Way too much. <laughs> okay, that's not in the book. Why do you have like 3,000 gallons of embryonic fluid? And you're like, let's add that in the movie. <laughs> and I want it to be authentic, so give me some real embryonic fluid. Because <laughs> he's like, I need something to make my abs glisten. It needs to look natural in the movie. Everything was phallic too, like the the eels and the. It was just gross. A big ball sack that hung from the ceiling. Sack. Yeah, what was like that? Everything all about? about it was gross. I couldn't tell if scene. that was supposed to be like fleshy material, or if it was like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> a huge scrotum. Where did he get it? Did he sew together like a cow, million ball sacks. cow uteruses or what? I mean, what was that? Well, my favorite. There was a few things. How and, does he get those many live eels though? Right? Twice. Twice. So what stuck out to me was the giant staircase, the marble staircase with, with no, no rail. rail. <laughs> Talking about dramatic. Yeah. And then the sweeping camera shots that would follow them up. In, yeah. As they and run then, dramatically. And then Henry just sitting in the middle of like halfway up the stairs. Like he was like, fuck this shit. It's too much. I'm not walking all the way up there. And then when he hears no, the... Yeah. Like no. I realized they didn't have the still cams back there, but the constant circular shots with like... Kind of shaky too. That was a lot for me. The what cams? Steady like cams? the like when yeah, they were dancing. Yeah, the like the that was supposed to shots. make you sick though. Really? Was well, it supposed to show the frenetic nature, especially the ending dance when she was Frankenstein's bride? Yeah, like it was supposed to be like frenetic's a good apart. word for this movie. It was a very frenetic movie. I feel like yes, I enjoyed it, but it was definitely well. That was the other thing. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, that was a uh, weird deviation, too, like, from what I understand about the book, like, because in the book, doesn't he, like, go to create the monster, or the wife, but then he decides not to? What? I don't know. Say it again? Somebody did something, I don't automatically. I said, in the book, doesn't he, like, is the monster ask him to make the wife, but then he goes, he, like, decides not to, but... And this one, he, like, marries her, and then she dies, and he brings her back to life in the same night. Are you asking if that's what happened? In I, the don't, I don't remember. Yeah. In the him, book, him, is in, in Frank, him is in Victor or the monster? What? Like, who asked for the bride? Yeah. The monster. The monster. In yeah. the book, there was not a love 
story the way it was in this movie. Yeah. It wasn't there wasn't like, Elizabeth. Um, he but didn't, he didn't kill it. She didn't die and he didn't bring her back to life, right? Yeah. He made so a monster of question. parts, yeah. which was the wife, or not the wife, the, the girl that he was wanting as his bride. Yeah. And then he tore that the, he tore them apart. Oh, that part I don't remember. He tore them apart, and the monster got pissed, and that's when he said, I'm going to basically chase you to the ends of the earth type thing, or you're going to chase me type thing. I will have my revenge. <laughs> Frankenstein. I was going to say, I remember like from the book, like one was chasing the other, like basically from one All end of the earth to Antarctica the other. and everything. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was very Running in Africa with the antelopes. Snow dogs. <laughs> <laughs> like the big visor on. They're already dead. And then, like, it was during the summer, there's some horseback. Coconut (laughs) Coconut tree canoe. Yeah. Just like the coconuts, the horse. Monty Python. I'm glad they threw the Bride of Frankenstein in the movie, though, because... It's a flesh wound. It's a flesh wound. How about you? I thought she had the most impactful scene in the whole movie. Who? Which one? The Bride. Where she got her... Like, when they're, like, both, like, trying to pretty much call her like she's a dog, and then she just, like... (laughs) She don't even have to say anything for you to, like... She's like, to get, yeah, like to get how she's feeling, and then she just like, I would kill? rather fucking kill her. Kill her? <laughs> I would rather fucking set myself on fire and kill myself than deal with you two motherfuckers. And that's what she does. Now and fall dramatically down that that's, staircase, that's which she early, wouldn't have fell down if they would have had a rail. It's early CGI now, right? Yeah. So when she does that, like that terrible lightning, that not look CGI? really, really fake when she busted the fire over oh, her head. So, well, so, so everything did the lightning. My other pet peeve about yeah. this movie, the huge pet peeve, was gripe, so to say, is when he had him in that big metal container and the fire was underneath because it was supposed to heat up to... Boiling the copper. Exactly. Because it had to hit a certain temperature for mm-hmm. all this to work, right? And he's just laying on top of it. I was like, <laughs> wouldn't that have boiled your flesh off? Yeah. He had to look into it and say, "Live, live, yeah. live." And then five seconds <laughs> later, what the big ball? What have I done? Yeah, immediately. What have I done? Well, I gotta go. Why does he leave it like? He strings it up and leaves it on like the a little puppet, little thing. And why was it so dramatically going through all those? Like it was like those people on those uh, zip lines in Vegas where they act like they're dead and they're just like flying around. He's just fucking just hanging there, just <laughs> limp. <laughs> Like prosthetic when they ass, pass out, just hanging out, <laughs> stitches all over. Now I do have to say, De Niro's character was my favorite, just because he was the only understated character in the movie. Yeah, because he knows how to. He was he the only one act, who didn't overact. Right? I wonder if that like bothered Kenneth as he was directing, like just, just more, just give me more, Robert. Yeah, I need more from you. Like the only dramatic scene he had was when like he stabbed the dude. And he says, revenge. And the revenge part. Yeah. From what I understood, that Kenneth guy was coming off a, like, string of directing, like, operatic type movies. So he, like, Like that bled bled over into this movie and just a little too much for what it was. Yeah. The, uh, The guy that wrote the script said that it was, like, the best script he ever wrote with the worst movie that he's ever seen. There was also some behind-the-scenes headbutting between Kenneth Branagh and Francis Ford Coppola, who was supposed the to producer. He was going to direct it, and then can't remember what happened, but he ended up letting Kenneth Branagh direct it, and then he like 
they had a lot of disagreements and he kind of like basically talked shit about the movie after it was made yeah. so well if i was comparing remakes from universal movies which we're going to do now <laughs> good segue I would, I would put mummy first probably Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser because it was fun I would tie that with Bram Stoker's Dracula because I think as much as people dog on that I loved that movie I thought it was a really it was over the top a little bit but I loved that movie it was Ke- it was Keanu's British accent you loved wasn't it Keanu was the worst part of the movie I do have to say that <laughs> but how dare you but what's his name is Dracula Gary Oldman that was the be- one of the best Dracula's I've ever seen. <laughs> I think that's face cool. he made the entire movie. But the uh, this one just didn't have it. I did I, I didn't like Frankenstein that much. It was over the top, cheesy. It was watchable. De Niro was the only thing I liked about it. I did think De Niro did a good job, but I kind of also wish they would have picked somebody else who was maybe a little bit bigger. Well, in the book, though, he wasn't ginormous. He was normal. But he's like eight sized. foot tall, wasn't he? No. Wouldn't that, that be, would be ginormous? <laughs> no. Like, I mean, there's people that are actually there's people that are actually that tall in real life. But eight foot is. I would say eight foot is ginormous, though, right? We can agree on that. I guess. How common is it? Are you, what is it? First of all, are you playing? Are you, are you I'm just saying, me? having like a okay. seven foot, eight foot man wouldn't be like unheard of. Like it would make him look bigger and stronger. But the whole thing was it was supposed to be about how he, the galvanization process, made him superhuman strength almost. So he was like a slightly larger, regular looking man that had superhuman strength. That was the danger of it, supposedly. The first superhero. That's yeah. why the that's why the frog legs busted through the glass in that one scene dramatically. Yeah, I was like, damn, the frog got super strength too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> out of all the movies, pick your favorite Frankenstein influenced movie. Out of all the ones we've talked about. Or if you could think of another one. Hmm. Can it just be a movie that had Frankenstein in it? It can be because that's influenced. Unless by you the say book I Frankenstein. Frankenstein. No, not that one. <laughs> I was just Van I was, Helsing. I, seriously, Frankenstein. Were you like, gonna say Van Helsing? Like my favorite Frankenstein. Oh my god, <laughs> that's not even a Frankenstein movie though, right? Frankenstein. I, I just asked He's if it's it. okay if Frankenstein's in it. I thought you meant as like a lead. Sorry. All right, Van Helsing. You got you got a reason? Just I just watch really, it I've always look. enjoyed that movie. When it has the flying bat girls and big yeah. titties, and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why you like it. Don't lie. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Big, Everybody big knows I love girls. titties. Me or Ian? You, anybody? You go first. I may pick you. Back. I guess in most influential or like, I was going to say really it's liked. hard to top. It's hard to top Jurassic Park. I think. Yeah, that's because fair. that's just the one that's the ultimate. And in the words of the wise Jeff Goldblum from the movie, they were also caught up. And if they could, no one bothered to ask if they should deep I think that hits it on the head hits it right there just because we can do it doesn't mean we should yeah. and it's just a great movie for everybody a lot of reasons everybody loves Jurassic Park <laughs> everybody loves Jurassic Park Ian what's yours is that yours as well I, I was going to say Jurassic Park that's just, there's a lot of good ones good on that movie. list but you know nee, 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 See, would, nee, nee. my favorite two would be I really like Terminator just because I thought it was fun it was a I fun love, movie when I was T2 young. T2 is awesome, too. I almost said that. But. T2 is awesome. 
I would say though, out of the ones that I like the most, I think Jurassic Park would be number one. I think The Fly with David Cronenberg is number two. Fly's good. And it it wasn't quite the same Frankenstein thing, but it was like he was trying to break down the body through technology and re put it back together somewhere else. And the fly got in there, obviously, and, and created a gene uh, DNA splice. But just the, not only the story and the gore and everything, but just the, the dynamics of it, I think, was really good. You know, but every one of these movies have the exact same thing in common. We're doing, are we doing too much, like you just said with him, just because we can, should we? What do you guys think? In the future, do you think it's a good idea for us to do stem cell research? Yeah, d- to do that's the a little, AI that's a little stuff. different. Yeah, um, I guess I see what point you're trying to make. Like, I'm not saying you're you're saying anything evil over here. Like, <laughs> I mean, if it's meant to be, let it be. You know, we shouldn't meddle. Like, I know you're not saying that, but like, is that kind of your point? Like, do you think that it's kind of a complex god complex if we're doing the stem cell research to? cure cancer it's just like well i mean if it wasn't meant to happen have a god complex a little bit though or else people would still be dying when they're 25 yeah because that's like saying you gotta create uh, medicine well that's that's exactly what i was about to say i was gonna say if we stop it like well we shouldn't do stem cell research like you know like i mean if it's meant to be i mean that's literally what senators are saying right now in republican states and that's dumb because that's like saying like you just said i was gonna bring up the medicine thing that's like saying like you know, we should we shouldn't have uh, created medicine for you know vaccines com- or the like the common cough because you know back then like today the common cough we'd laugh at that like oh man that's that's a five to six days of like the worst time of your life right like oh just got a cough oh I've got a stuffy nose they used to kill people back in the day. yeah yeah people that would just progressively get worse and people would die that's from what that eradicated shit. Native Americans pretty much my dad he died from the sniffles yeah yeah we the had flu nothing was to once do a pandemic. With that. Now it's just the flu. Yeah. So, so it's just a common thing. Yeah. Everybody gets it every year. And so that's what I'm saying. Getting away from just talking about stem cell research. Now let's go to the AI art, uh, argument. If we get to a point to where we can not worry about our bodies anymore, but we're just worried about our existence. Do you mean AI and our bodies as in like, I robot like I'd have a robotic arm or do you mean AI uh, where I would have like an actual cyborg that I own that would come in and do stuff for me like in a I think he means putting your brain into a machine right I'm I'm talking about not necessarily even just in a machine it's just out there to where your brain doesn't know that you're not existing as a body because if if you're on on a thumb drive somewhere that's really what (laughs) oh don't erase that that's Ian that's really what it would be, though, if you think about it. If you don't know that you don't exist as a body, you can create anything you want with that. Now, we could all be Sims right now. We don't know. The two things I don't like about that, one is it doesn't give you much choice unless they do give you a choice. Because one day, if it gets to where they could just upload you if they want, like let's say your family member wants you to live on, they could. So it'd be almost like a DNR type thing. Do you not want to do that? Second thing is, it's going to create a class system that's even worse than the class system now because only rich people are going to be able to do that technology for a while, yeah. right? Mitch McConnell's oh, yeah. just a holographic head in the sentence. Yeah. Oh, please, no. I'm not a turtle. 
<laughs> I swear. On his 90th term. Just... <laughs> Strom Thurmond's coming back. He's so like Richard is, Nixon on Futurama. So just is, put his head in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those are heavy questions. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to live forever, man. I just don't. I don't even care if it, it was a good utopian like it was a good run <laughs> good utopian type society and my brain wouldn't know the difference like but that's why don't you want to live forever i don't that's still like a i don't want to live like this forever <laughs> none of us do man look at us <laughs> i was i was hoping not to make it for this like, that's why i was asking like why don't you want to live forever because it was like because your body gets older and you have to deal with more shit but you wouldn't have to do that if you like went into like a virtual reality yeah but like whatever. what like what do you do what do you do new like what what's you could fly you could. <laughs> well, I'm I'm afraid of a height, so not in the virtual world. We could we could, we could program. You could program me not to be afraid okay. of heights. Could my conscience be like uploaded into a video game? We could be in one right now. Oh Who my god, uh, Saints Row. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that'd be kind of terrible. Like you just die infinite deaths over and over again. Oh my god. I just hate the idea Edge of, of like, tomorrow. Not that having a choice. That would that'd be the sucky thing, you know. If you think everything's happy, you wouldn't know the difference. But at some point, you'd you'd know the difference. What is life? Turn around, look at this damn kids. Life? Stop making me jump all the time. I get What's tired funny though is there's people right now that think this is really a reality. Like we're living in a simulation. You see people that those birds are all robotic. You know, it's like hey, we all saw Katy Perry glitch in that Twitter she video. She glitched. Yeah, <laughs> <a> lizard person. <laughs> Oh all right, God. that's all I got. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Are we going to have anything else to say? Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Not we? really. We all think it sucked. <laughs> okay. I liked it. That's fair. Did you really? Yeah. What did we get? Okay, yeah. you start Let's with a rating. It. I didn't I hate it. Rating. I didn't love it. I just didn't hate it. Um, six and a half. Oh, it's oh. high. Yeah, it is. It was entertaining. It wasn't. I was going to give it a five and a half at best. I go five. I'll probably That's go just because De Niro. Okay. I'd give it a four if I could, but De Niro brings it up a little bit. My favorite part of the movie is when he goes in and De Niro steals it. He gives that heartfelt speech of that old blind man. Oh, yeah. And he was just like... That's a good part. Pe- people freak out because people are beautiful and I am not... Extremely ugly. Yeah, it was just so... I am I was okay with that. What really got to me in that scene is when those damn kids came in there and he started just hitting him with the stick out. And they were no, like, oh, that's what I was bro. about to say. I was just running down, oh, get out of here. <laughs> and then he goes out there and cries. Like, are like, you fuck. fucking kidding me? You're like, oh, you're in there being mean. Get away from this well, old man. Funny like, they were they just get... sitting at the table. Oh, no. They got some little piece of shit on a, on a, like, horse that comes in, like, threatens them. They could kick his ass easily with those sticks. True. This monster's in there talking to their grandpa. Like, ah! And they yeah. start attacking him. Yeah, hey, 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 it's the guardian of the forest here, or whatever they call him. Get out of here, you monster! You talking to me? All I gotta say is, why didn't they pick their uh, rhubarbs or whatever those were early in the in the fall or late summer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they wait till winter to leave them. What were those? Radishes, like giant radishes, something like that. Yeah, I'm like. Where did he get all those from? Would they have, I'm not a have, farmer, but would they have died? Should have picked them a long time ago. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. like, but if they were, if the ground was hard, so hard, it was frozen like that, would they have survived? No, Mm-mm. I didn't think so either. Yeah, and he comes have. in, he pulls them all out. Like, They're all eating them. 
they're, like, like, they're perfectly fine. It was foreshadowing to how he pulled her heart out of her chest. Oh. Wow. Oh. It's just because he loved her. It's true. I will have your heart, woman. Nabon did it better. Like fucking just saying. Mortal, it to Mortal her. Kombat fatality. Yes. All right. Well, that's all I've got, man. Anything else? We're done? That's all. That's it. That's all. That's Close the road. Moral of the story is don't go making. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Don't go, don't go chasing waterfalls. I was going to say, don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I Okay. <laughs> my voice cracked. This has been another episode of The uh, Horror You Know. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Trent. And I am also Ian. And I will have my revenge. That's what he tells everybody he stabs to death. <laughs> Damn right. In the dead of night, when the moon is high, and the shadows dance, the evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is thin.